Hi everyone, I'm Elise Marsh and I'm your host here on the Perfectly Wonderfully Made podcast. Thanks for joining me again for episode seven this week. I can't believe we've already had seven episodes. I believe the journey to becoming a parent allows each of us just a glimpse into the heart of a creator who so desperately wants us to know just how chosen, designed, called, and beautiful we all are. He sees you perfectly, wonderfully made. I'm so glad you're here. Whatever you're doing today, I pray you are encouraged by these women who share stories about what God is doing in their lives. I took a trip last weekend to California with my siblings to celebrate my little sister's 21st birthday. And boy, did that sunshine and that warmth feel so good, you guys. I had the chance to sit down with a man who was recently affected by California's wildfires um, just this month. It was actually his first day back to work when I met him. The road to his home had just reopened a few days earlier, and he was teary and sober to the reality of the devastation that he had just so recently experienced. He was just the cutest, sweetest little old man. And in the wake of his loss, he was so kind and so sweet and so caring. And you could see the heartache and the compassion of a person who had loved so deeply for so many years of his life. It was pretty amazing. And though it certainly wasn't the same, I felt so much empathy for this man who had lost so much from the fire. You know, as some of you know, my in-law's house was destroyed by fire almost a year ago. Um, Just in a couple months, it'll be the one-year anniversary And it's so wild how easy it is to remove yourself from situations and disconnect from loss that others have experienced. You know, we see stories on the news or social media or Twitter or Facebook, but until we have had a personal connection with an experience or a person, it's really hard to develop empathy for others in a situation that isn't like our own. And I just love that conversation this last weekend with that man thinking just about how much deep hurt and devastation everyone in our world experiences, whether we know it or not. But the love and the grace we extend to each other will change the world. Whether it's taking just a few extra moments to hear someone's story or showing compassion to the mom who has this screaming toddler on the plane, which I definitely witnessed this last weekend. We all have our stuff and we all need love and a lot of grace and so much more than we know sometimes. Well, guys, I got to chat with the lovely Katie Knudsen today and you all are just going to love this mama. Katie shares her two home birth stories with us and what her life looks like living in a small town raising two little boys. Katie shares her heart with us and so honestly shares about what life looks like in the thick of it, just in the middle of the grind with those two um, little people who she loves so much. We talk about extending grace to our kids and what it looks like to ask for grace and give that to others. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation today, so let's get to it. 
I feel like I have so many questions for you because we have I haven't seen you or talked to you in so long. Oh, I know, like what, 11 years or something? Yeah, a long time. So where are you living? So I live in Port Angeles, Washington. It's over on the peninsula. And that's where my husband grew up. And so his family lives here. Um, we met in college down in Oregon, but we we came back up here and I love it. I love living in a small town. I mean, I grew up in Puyallup, so some people say that's a small town, but now I know that's really not a small town. It's not a small town. <laughs> no, but, um, and I like the suburbs too, but living out here is so nice. I mean, like the grocery clerks know who I am. They've watched my really? kids. Really? Yeah, they watch my kids. Like they've seen me they pregnant and then now they're always like, oh my gosh, they're getting so big now. And the bank tellers know who I am. I can go in and be like, oh yeah, by the way, I need this. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it for you. No problem. Oh, wow. Um, I love like, now that I've lived here long enough, I can be out or like driving down the road. I'm like, oh, hey, there's so-and-so. I wonder how they're doing today. Or we're out and like, oh, wow, yeah, there's seen like five people I know in the grocery store today. And it's just kind of fun. I always wanted to be that person growing up. I was, I always wanted to be that person that was like a regular somewhere. <laughs> so now I feel like I finally achieved that. Like I'm a You're regular a regular because, everywhere. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. What does your husband do for work? He is the um, he's the managing director at Armstrong Marine. So it's an aluminum boat building company, um, and he's kind of the the head honcho. I mean, he doesn't own it, but he's like um, the boss man. So it's he fun. runs the place. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So how long have you guys been in Port Angeles? We have been here for um, almost six years. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you feel established there for sure. Yes, definitely. And I mean, now that <clears throat> now that we have kids and stuff, I don't know. I think eventually we'll get involved in different things. My husband used to play softball. Then we started having kids. And so that kind of all just got too crazy. Um, right. But I think, you know, someday hopefully our kids will play sports or be involved in, you know, something in the community. And um, yeah, we're definitely getting established and we have we bought a home and we've been slowly but surely working on that, removing it from the 1970s and into the uh, 21st right. century. But um, I really like it. And we live um, about a mile or a couple miles from my in-laws house. And so it's nice to be close to them, but we, um, it just feels like we're more out in the country. And so there's just, it's just quiet. And, um, I mean, like I'm at my in-laws house right now and I can like see cows over in the field and wow. see the mountains. And, um, I just like that life is slower. It feels slower out here. I love visiting the city. I love going to Seattle, but whenever I'm in Seattle, I'm always like, Oh, I hate traffic. I hate all these cars. <laughs> I just want to go back to my small town. And my cows. Yeah, and my cows. Exactly. That's uh, awesome. So yeah. do you stay home with the kids or do you work? I do. Yeah, I'm stay-at-home mom, um, which, I mean, growing up, I never really thought I would be that. My mom wasn't a stay-at-home mom. She was a teacher, and I just kind of always figured I would probably go the same route. I wanted to be a wedding planner, um, and then left, you know, graduated college, got a job in accounting, which was, I was a marketing major. So accounting was like complete opposite. I know. How did you do that? I just had a connection through a professor at my school and she was like, Hey, I know you're looking for a job. Here you go. 
So I sat at a computer all day and did like 10 key and typed in oh, numbers wow. all day long and it was fine. It wasn't super fun, but it was, it was a job. Yeah. Um, and then when, so we lived in Oregon for a year and a half before we moved up here. Um, and I worked a, for a little bit when we first moved up here and then, um, I actually got fired. Oh, Katie. <laughs> Which was horrible. And in my defense, I shouldn't have been fired, but I was actually very glad that I was fired. Um, okay. I'm glad it was a happy ending. Yes, it is. And my husband was like, you know what? Like, you don't have to go back to work. I kind of like you just being at home. And I was like, well, okay, sure. I'll sleep in every day and just, you know, yeah. do whatever, have my, make my own schedule. So um, I did that for a little while. And then once I had babies and I could say, oh yeah, I'm a stay-at-home mom <laughs> instead of just, I'm a stay-at-home wife, you know? <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Yeah, but no, I love it. I I love being able to stay home and um, I just started, just started homeschooling, kind of doing some homeschool with my three-year-old and so it's fun to like, this morning we made a, a blueberry bush with our, with paper and glue stick and little paint pens and Oh, fun. We're, we're learning about B is for berries this week. So we're all, all about right. berries and uh, he, he, he's eating it up. He loves it, which is awesome. That's so fun. That's so fun. I love like homeschooling and all that. I don't homeschool my kids. But yeah. Maybe in some season I would. I don't know. But I just, I love the whole, I don't know, the whole philosophy of homeschooling and all I that mean, you get to do. Totally. It's fun when they like start to show an interest in learning things. I mean, like mm-hmm. Henning's getting so excited about learning his letters. And so we started with A. We did a couple of weeks with just learning A. So then everywhere we were going, he's like, Mom, A, look, A. Or he'd interrupt, like going to the bathroom because there's a sign in our bathroom. And he'd say, Mom, look, A. I'm like, yes, good. Pay attention to where you're going to the bathroom. But yes, that is an A. Good. <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Okay, so how did you meet your husband? We met in college. We both went to George Fox down in Oregon. It's in Newburgh. Um, And we were both freshmen living in the same dorm. So there was a boy's side and a girl's side. And my roommate had a math class with him. And she told me about this guy that was so cute. And um, she had math class with him. So she really wanted me to meet him. I don't really know why. Maybe just because she thought he was cute, so she wanted to you know, <laughs> share his She's looks using with me or you. something. <laughs> but um, and so I met him, and he actually had a girlfriend at the time who lived back home, and um, he. But he was really friendly guy. He was just the kind of guy that um, is outgoing and um, knows everybody, and everybody knows him. He was a baseball player, um, and just a really nice guy. But he had a girlfriend, and so I was like, you know, I don't want to step on her toes, and I want to be respectful mm-hmm. of that. So I was just all that whole first year of college, just building a friendship with him, and um, all the while having a huge crush on him, and, <laughs> and <laughs> trying, trying to not to be awkward zone. because I had a crush on him. Yeah, so then after freshman year, he went home and um, ended up breaking it off with his girlfriend, and I didn't know at the time, but he did like me. And so that summer after freshman year, we talked a lot because he'd broken up with his girlfriend and we were keeping in touch because we'd both gone home for the summer. 
I remember we went to my family and I went to Hawaii and that whole trip, I had just spent the whole trip like texting with him and <laughs> <laughs> like we have pictures of me just on my phone oh, <laughs> on gosh. our family vacation. And um, at one point, and I don't really remember why it was, but at one point during that trip, we were texting and I just suddenly felt like he doesn't like me. He's never going to like me. I'd never had a boyfriend before. I'd never had a guy actually like me. And so I was like, this is going to be like it is all the time. I'm, I have a crush on this guy. He doesn't like me back. He's just going to want to be friends. Why am I wasting my time? I'm going to get heartbroken. And so I actually just stopped talking to him. Wow. I, <laughs> just like he would email me or we used to do, um, was it Skype Messenger? I think it was Skype chat. We used to Skype chat or send messages a lot, and I would just be like, oh, yeah, I'm really busy, you know, and or wait forever to answer his emails back. You're like, I am not going to make this easy for you, bud. Yeah, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not with you. I'm just going to act like I don't like you anymore because I'm, if I can just decide I don't like you, then I just won't. <laughs> so for the rest of the summer, I didn't talk to him, and um, we went back to school sophomore year, and my parents came with me to move me in and they had met him a couple times that summer I had like invited him to my birthday to come with my whole family out to lunch he drove over from Port Angeles to come have lunch with my family because we were just friends right that's a normal thing to do he went to a Mariners game with me and my parents and so when my parents were down there they were like Katie we want to say hi to Perry because we met him and we liked him and we want to be friendly so you need to tell him that we're here and we would like to say hi and I'm like (laughs) fine I will so I texted him and uh we were going to meet in the student like student union building and as soon as I saw him I was like oh crap I still like him. Like, as soon as I see him, I like him. <laughs> I can't just put him out of my mind. So we said hi and all of that. And later on, I don't know if it was that same day or that week or something, I was still moving in. So um, I asked him to come help me hang a, I think it was a map. I asked him to come help me hang a map on my wall. And we started hanging out more because I just realized that, you know, if I'm going to see him all the time, I really like him. And so I'm just going to have to settle for being friends because he's not going to like me, but I can at least be friends with him. And so we started hanging out a lot. And I remember one late night conversation (laughs) and I was so nervous to be sitting there talking to him. I had this necklace on that was like a like a suede, not suede, I don't know, like a suede material that was the like necklace part. And I kept moving my the bead on it back and forth because I was so nervous that I ended up rubbing the whole thing off. And it, like, <laughs> it just like disintegrated because oh, I was gosh. so nervous just going back and forth, talking to him. And I finally got him to admit that night that he did like me. And I remember going up into, it was late at night that he had admitted that he liked me. And I went back up into my room. My roommate was asleep and I was just like on cloud nine because this boy liked me back and I liked him and I didn't even know what to do with myself. I think I might've even woken her up and told her, I don't remember, but. You need to hear this. Guess what? So, um, yeah, so we dated and, um, 
it's been, we just had our 10 year together anniversary on October 4th. So he wow. asked me to be his girlfriend October 4th, had my first kiss, his first kiss. Um, and yeah, we dated, got engaged right before senior year. And then we got married like a month after graduating. Wow. So yeah, that, that was, was my busy. first, first boyfriend, first kiss, only kiss. <laughs> Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how long have you guys been married now? We've been married for seven years. Wow. Same. You must have gotten married around the same time that I did. Yeah. We got married June 2010. Okay. And we got married in March. So just a little bit after us. It's nice when you get married in 2010 because it's easy to remember. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You never forget. It's really nice. That's awesome. At what point did you guys decide you wanted to think about starting to have a family? Yeah. So we had said before we got married that we were going to wait five years. Oh, okay. And then um, when we moved up here, um, we, I had never done, I had never been on both birth control. We just decided that I would do, we would do natural family planning. I'd always had, I had always had a normal cycle. And so I just tracked my temperature every day, the cervical fluid, and just kept pretty good track. And I was pretty consistent. Like after I started doing that before we got married so that I kind of knew what my body was doing. And it was pretty regular, which was nice and convenient. But I had like all my calendars printed out and I would write down my stuff every day. I was very organized about it. You're a (laughs) dead. And um, so then after we moved up here... That first summer, so it was like um, two years into marriage, we decided, okay, we're not going to actively try, but we'll just stop preventing and we'll just see what happens. And so um, it took me about a year before I actually got pregnant. And every month I would think, oh my gosh, maybe I did this month. And mm-hmm. there were a couple times when I would go like a day or two late on my period. And so I'd take a test and it was always negative. Um, and I thought, should I be worried? And I was like, well, but I'm regular. Like, I know I'm cycling. And so that's not a problem. And when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. And so mm-hmm. it was definitely a test of, should I be fearful? Should I be worried about something? But we just decided, you know, it'll happen when it's time. And so yeah, yeah about a year later is when I finally got, did get pregnant. But that's awesome. Yeah, so how was your pregnancy? Um, my first pregnancy was really easy. I never had any crate. I never had any aversions. I never had any nausea or anything. I slept fine. And, and because I wasn't working, you know, I could sleep as late as I want nap during the day, which was very lovely. Probably why you felt so good. I know. It's getting all this sleep. Um, I was staying active, like walking with my mother-in-law a few times a week and, which was helpful as well. Um, and so it was really, really easy. Um, partway into my pregnancy, I want to say it was like 34 weeks. I remember I was shopping in Silverdale and I got back to my car and it had been raining and I, my feet felt really itchy. And I looked down at my shoes and my, I just had like some red splotchiness on my feet. And I thought, hmm. that's really weird. Like, maybe I stepped in some weird puddle and I got some Hmm. nasty stuff on my foot. And so it's itching and got home from shopping and my feet were still itchy and my hands started to get really itchy. 
And I thought, this is really strange and really uncomfortable. And then slowly but surely, my hands and feet and I started getting a rash on my belly. And, Shoot. Um, and I talked to my midwife about it, and she wasn't quite sure at first. And then at my next appointment, she, or maybe it was before my next appointment, she had done some research, and she looked up and she said, I think you have pups, or right. um, I think it's also called poly- polymorphic eruption of pregnancy. Right. And or plaques of pregnancy. P-U-P-P-S. Yes. Yes. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. So I looked it up and it's this rash that develops and they don't really know why, but oftentimes it happens with women who are having multiples or women who are having boys. And it can happen at any point in your pregnancy. Sometimes it goes away. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it happens after you've had your baby and it'll come on. Yeah. And so it was like, there are kind of some of these things that generally happen, but they don't know why. And there's really yeah, nothing you can really do really annoying. <laughs> yeah. So I had this rash and it was really awful. I would wake up in the middle of the night and anytime my hands or my feet got hot, the itching would get even worse. So I, you know, oh. I'm sleeping, I'm getting warm and I'd wake up and I would just scratch and scratch and just, I couldn't stop. It's like, you know, when you have an itch and so it feels good to scratch it, but the more you scratch right. it, the more it itches. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. And so, um, I finally, let's see, I think that lasted a couple weeks. I think it went away about 37 weeks. Oh, that's nice. Some people have it for a long time. And I thought, oh, awesome. It's gone. That was horrible, but it's gone. Let's see. So I went up to 42 weeks when I was pregnant with my first. So So then at 41 weeks, it started coming back again. And I was getting it on my hands. And then it went all the way up my arms and then all the way up to like my neck. It was all over my legs and my feet, but pretty much the only places that it wasn't was my face, thankfully, <laughs> my yeah. neck, oh. and my downstairs, which also, thankfully, it was not down there because <laughs> that would have been even worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, but it was so bad. I used, because heat would make it itch more, I would get washcloths and run them under cold water. Sometimes even I'd stick them in the freezer so they'd get colder. And then I just sit there with washcloths like on my hands and on my feet. Um, I scratched so bad that I still have like scars on my legs and my feet from spots where I just scratched too much. And so I'm 41 weeks pregnant, then I'm 42 weeks pregnant and I have a rash all over my body. And (laughs) my feet are starting to swell. I could only fit into one pair of shoes, my Crocs. That's all I could wear because my feet were so swollen and my body, yeah, it was just red and it doesn't, so the rash doesn't harm the baby in any way. It's just miserable for the mother. Um, but it did go away after like immediately after I had Henning, my rash just was gone and it, it took a while for like the, the redness and the, um, Yeah, blotchiness to go away, but it didn't itch anymore. So that was good because I thought I can't do a new baby and have this constant itching. Um, 
so yeah, that was definitely an interesting experience. And I did, my midwife had never had another mother that had had that. I didn't know anybody that had had that. And there really wasn't anything online that said a whole lot about what you could do, um, what it was or anything like that. So it was oh, wow. weird. I had never heard of it before until I had it. Yes. I've had a, a number of, actually a number of students who've had pups really? and a couple of clients who've had pups and yeah. it is a pain in the booty. It's awful. No fun. I'm so sorry you had to <laughs> manage that. Yes. Like that is not what you want to be dealing with near the end of your pregnancy. Exactly. Well, and like when I look back at pictures that I have from that birth, I've got just like splotchiness all over. It's not like they're these oh. really pretty pictures of, oh, I'm holding my baby. No, well, I'm holding my baby, but I have like redness everywhere, which is right. Wonderful. Oh, Katie. <laughs> So what was your uh, birth experience like with your first baby? Yeah. So Henning um, was really late. Um, right. We get that. 42 <laughs> weeks. Okay. How are you doing there, mama? Yes. I was due with Henning on April 12th. And my parents live in Arizona. And so my mom really wanted to be there for it because it was her very first grandbaby. And so they came up. My parents came up at 41 weeks because we thought, you know, surely I will surely. either have the baby by then or it'll be, you know, happening right then and there. Um, so they came up and they hung out and we'd go for walks. We have these stairs downtown that there's like, I think there's three flights of stairs and I would go up and down and up and down and up and down <laughs> and up and down so many times. And, um, we, my midwife had, um, done, um, evening primrose oil on my cervix to just try and see if that would help. She, um, asked me, she had said that she could sweep my membranes and we decided that we went to the appointment thinking we were going to do that. And then on the way I was like, Perry, I just, I don't feel comfortable doing it. I feel like there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't feel this mm -hmm. piece about doing that, I think we need to continue to wait. And so we got there and um, my midwife was really supportive. She's like, if you guys don't want to, um, you don't, you don't have to, we can keep waiting. And so she was able to go up to 42 weeks to deliver yeah. at home. And past that point, I would have to sign a waiver that said, you know, I'm, I'm aware of any, right. The risks, risks, right. And then um, I would have to go to the local hospital and have non-stress tests to make sure that baby was fine, amniotic fluid was fine, and all of that. So we got to 42 weeks, and that was the marker. And so we went to the appointment, and my midwife was like, what do you guys want to do? And I said, I think we need to keep waiting. I don't think that it's time. I think he's going to come when it's time. And as long as he's fine and as long as I'm fine, then we can wait. You know, if something were to happen and his heart rate wasn't good or I didn't have enough fluid or whatever, or mm -hmm. my blood pressure spiked, um, sure. I'm, I'm totally okay with intervention, but unless it's necessary, then let's not intervene. And so she was good with that. It was really hard, um, with my family just because they could only be up here for so long and right. they'd already been up for a week and they needed to get back down because my mom was a teacher and my dad had a job. And so they, um, were you feeling a lot of pressure at it, that point? Yes. And I mean, 
from yes, your I family was. or probably because, not probably unintentionally yes, but pressure totally. just that I mean, they, they were, were there excited and they loved me and they wanted to be there and so I remember we were all just we did a lot of sitting around as well but I always felt like okay we're just sitting around and it's, everyone's just waiting for me to do something right and I know I hate that feeling it's awful and I'd had some Braxton Hicks but it was always like oh, oh, I think my belly is hardening and I'd have to put my hand on my belly to see if it was I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this must be a, you know, Braxton Hicks. And, um, and I think that, you know, every time that happened, my mom would get excited, like, oh my gosh, maybe it's going to happen. And then nothing would happen. And, and so they looked reality in the face and realized they had to go home and I still hadn't had the baby. And, um, and it was upsetting, you know, yeah. I think there were just a lot of emotions involved, and so it, I think it was a, a bigger deal than maybe it needed to be, but at the same time, it was the first grandchild, and um, and it meant a lot to her, and, and it meant a lot to me that she was there, but I couldn't, I, I don't know, I wasn't going to go get induced just because my mom was in town. Sure. Um, and so they, they ended up having to go back. My dad flew home. My mom actually waited a couple extra days over with uh, my grandparents who lived in Kent at the time because they thought, you know, maybe if we leave, then there won't be the added stress. You'll go into labor. (laughs) Yeah, there's not the added stress of having like house guests. And so maybe things will calm down. So um, I ended up going, having two non-stress tests. And at both of them, the nurses were like, you're doing great. Your amniotic fluid is completely fine. Baby's heart rate is great. I mean, they hook you up and you have to sit there for like long enough for them to see enough movement of, of um, heart rate and all that. But at both of them, they're like, yeah, you're fine. If you want to keep waiting, go for it. I'm like, okay. I don't want to keep waiting, but I will. <laughs> and so then, um, you know, and obviously when you're overdue, people give you all of these different uh remedies for how you can get the baby out and so believe me we tried all of them (laughs) I was trying anything spicy food sure pineapple sure yeah intimacy great let's try it all it wasn't working um but I I will say that it was nice to just have me and my husband again for a couple days because I think it did it they didn't add stress intentionally, but you know, when you have people in your house right. and your rhythm's kind of thrown off, it's just, even if you're not consciously aware of it, I think it does add something. Oh, definitely. And you feel watched. Yeah. Yeah. And it's already like, you know, two weeks past my due date. Sure, so I'm, sure. I'm ready for it, but I can't, I'm right. walking, I'm doing everything I can. So, um, but so we ended up getting Chinese food. And um, we stayed up to watch a movie or something and ended up going to bed. And I think around, um, what time is it? I think it was like one o'clock in the morning. I kind of woke up and was having some contractions and I was like, oh, okay, this is, I think this is happening. Yeah. And so I tried to sleep during them and um, I think a couple hours later, we finally called they were getting to the point where I was having more trouble sleeping. You know, it wasn't like I could sleep in between. I needed to kind of breathe harder through them. And um, we called my midwife. So she came and my mother-in-law, she was going to come down. And um, 
So they all showed up. We got the birth tub set up because I wanted to do a water birth. And we, I labored in a bunch of different positions. I mean, I tried bouncing on a ball and leaning over the bed, leaning on my husband, you know, kind of standing and swaying. Um, I did get in the tub and that was lovely because first of all, I had the rash and so it felt better in water. And as long as the water wasn't too hot, then it felt better. If the water was too hot, then I was getting itchy. But, um, and it was also nice because I was, I did, I was weightless. You know, I didn't have to feel this big belly kind of hanging around. It was just kind of like I could sit there and really relax. So I remember at one point, uh, my mother-in-law made me some toast and I, she came and was like, here, you need to eat this so that you have extra energy. I was like, okay. So Aww. I ate it and I was like, this is the best toast I've ever had. <laughs> like I distinctly remember thinking, this, this, this toast is amazing. rocks. Yeah. You buttered this perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I labored and we had taken a birth class, a Bradley Method class. Um, my midwife had recommended that and that was really good. I think that helped so much because not only did... Perry and I learned things, you know, I I mean, I knew about birth, but there were a lot of detail things that I wasn't aware of. And so we learned all about the different phases and transition and um, what's going on with your body and all of that. And then the big thing with Bradley Method is um, that your husband is a huge help to you. And like the whole idea of relaxing through the contractions and um, finding different positions that are helpful for you to relax. And um, so we would practice practice in class and at home, like laying on my side with a pillow between my legs. And, um, like my husband would tickle my back, just like soft strokes. I don't like hard massage. I just want soft strokes. And, um, he would remind me and my mother-in-law went to a couple of classes with me too. So she was kind of aware of everything. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really nice. And so, um, when each contraction I had, when I'd start to kind of get tense, they'd just be like, okay, relax. And I would mentally think about relaxing from my head all the way down to my toes. And I really think that that helped, especially in my first labor because it was longer. And so I needed to be able to relax and make it through each contraction. And conserve energy for sure. Yeah, totally. And, um, and I surprised myself with how vocal I was. I wasn't screamy or anything but like with each contraction I had this low moan and I I didn't think I'd be that way but it was like it just happened automatically that I just kind of moaned through each contraction and it was pretty much the same note every single time (laughs) my husband said after afterwards he was like at one point I thought about asking you if you could change your tone but I figured that wouldn't go over very well no good thought nobody this is working but you know after 10 hours of hearing the same note over sure. and over. I can understand that. Um, but yeah, so labor was, I just remember it being, I mean, it was long, although when I think back, it didn't feel long. Like it wasn't that we were stressed because of how long it was. It was just, it was peaceful. It was quiet. Um, I remember like the light, sunlight slowly coming up and pouring through the window and people kind of took naps and different shifts and hmm. um, we had soft music playing at one point and I just remember it being very quiet very peaceful and uh, my husband didn't get in the tub with me he was like I'm not 
not sure about that. I don't want to be in there with all that stuff. I'm like, that's <laughs> fine. You don't need to just be here, you know, to hold my hand. And so then at about one o'clock in the afternoon that day, I went and sat on the toilet and I was sitting backwards on the toilet, just kind of laboring right there. And my water ended up breaking conveniently into the toilet which was lovely yeah I was like I love sitting backwards in the toilet works so it well it does it does yeah it's a great labor position it is so my water broke and you know they checked it everything was fine and right after my water broke I got the immediate urge to push and it wasn't like a super strong urge but it was definitely my body was just pushing and I couldn't really help it you got pretty grunty and pushy at that point, yes, I imagine. Yeah, so we moved back to the tub, and I continued to labor in the tub and push with each contraction, and um, I, I kind of tried a couple of different positions. One, at one point, I was just kind of sitting, or I'll try hands and knees, or like leaning over, and um, I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed, mm-hmm. and um, for the longest time, my mother-in-law said, you know, we can see his head. It's right there, but he just wasn't coming out. Right. And um, I wasn't getting so much discouraged, just tired, you know, for pushing yeah, for so yeah. long. And thinking, like, how much longer do I have to push? Like, I didn't think it would take that long. And um, so my midwife was like, okay, I want you to try getting on hands and knees because I think that's going to be the best position for you. And we're going to go a few more contractions. And if if it doesn't do anything, um, then I'm going to move you to the birthing stool. And I was like, okay. But I really didn't want to get out of the tub because it was so nice in there. So I um, did a little bit more pushing. And, um, and that position worked the best. Um, I think I'd had a cervical lip still a little mm-hmm. bit. So I needed to Yeah, get that, that out of the way. Yeah. I pushed and his head came out. Oh, at one point she had said, do you want to reach down and feel your baby's head? And I was like, "Mm, no, but okay, I will. And so I did. And that was a a weird experience just because you're feeling something come out of you. And that's strange. Um, So I pushed his head out. And then with the very next push, pushed the rest of his body out. And um, so he was born in the water and lifted him up. And that moment, oh, so we had... Sorry, rewind. When my water broke, we had told my mom about it. And she was like, oh my gosh, can I come over? Oh, wow. Okay, so she drove over from Kent and she actually got to my house to see me do my last two pushes. Oh, wow. And so she arrived just in time to see me deliver my baby, which is, you know, what she wanted to be there for. So I remember pulling him up out of the water and just looking at him and, being just in awe that I had just done this and um, just so excited. And we, and we hadn't found out what the gender was. So then we found out. Oh, it was a wow. Boy. Um, and I remember looking at my mother-in-law who was like standing over to my right. And I said, did somebody tell my mom, like somebody needs to tell my parents. And my mother-in-law said, Katie, look, your mom's here. And I looked <laughs> up and I remember saying, mom, I have a baby. And And so it was, that was special because, you know, she really got to be there and, um, 
and see that, see her firstborn become a mom. Right. Um, and so we, you know, kind of sat there just in awe for a few minutes. I don't remember exactly how long, maybe like 10 minutes or something. At that point, my midwife was like, okay, Katie, I want you to go ahead and get up. There's quite a bit of blood in the tub. So I want to, I want to get you out and just see what we've got going on here. And I was like, okay. So I was still holding Henning. He was still attached to the cord. And my husband helped me stand up. And um, next thing I know, I hear his voice saying, Katie, Katie, Katie. And I like come to, and apparently I had passed out. And thankfully oh, my wow. mom was standing right there because I almost dropped Henning back into the water when I passed out. Oh, wow. So she quickly grabbed him and... Um, Perry supported me and I came back to and Loretha was like, okay, we need to get you out now. And so they helped me kind of, kind of carried me out of the pool and laid me down on a bunch of blankets. And she said, I know that you wanted to do some delayed cord stuff, but we need to cut it now to figure out what's going on. And I said, okay, you know, I'm like, I'm not really yeah. with it anymore. I'm like, okay, right. sure, whatever. Um, so they cut the cord and Perry took Henning, did some skin to skin with him and I just wasn't cramping. My uterus wasn't cramping anymore, so I was just kind of bleeding out. Um, but she gave me a couple shots of Pitocin and was able to get the placenta out, and, and everything was fine. I think I did end up losing like a liter of blood, I want to say. Um, and so that made me quite lightheaded. I mean, I ended up passing out a couple more times, um, like once getting up to go back to my bedroom, and um, I think once in the bathroom at some point. Thankfully, there were always people with me. I mean, yeah, they didn't want to leave me alone because of what had just happened. Right. Um, but yeah, so then we kind of sat around and um, I remember my mom went to go get frugals for us because I really <laughs> wanted a hamburger and a milkshake and fries. It's so good. My father-in-law loves frugals. Yes. <laughs> so it reminds me of. It was exactly what I wanted. And so she went and got that and... So we were sitting around and um, we, my midwife weighed Henning and he was nine pounds, 14 ounces. And we were all just like, wow, that's huge. That's Um, a big kid, Katie. He was a well-cooked baby for sure. He was a well-cooked, well, 42 weeks. Yeah. 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 Big baby. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so recovery was, was difficult just in that I'd lost so much blood that I really couldn't do anything. I mean, um, I got, I got moved back to the bed and finally got in the bed after passing out a couple more times, but, um, I felt so weak and Perry had to continually monitor my heart rate and just make sure that I was doing okay. And I wasn't allowed to hold Henning standing up or definitely not hold him walking. Um, so I don't, I didn't even change any of his diapers until he was like five days old. Oh, wow. Because I couldn't, hey, that's, that's I not couldn't a bad thing. <laughs> I know it was, I mean, that was a good part of the deal. But, um, the other hard thing was that like, I couldn't even, I mean, they kind of like cleaned me up with a washcloth and stuff, but I couldn't go take a shower. I couldn't even like sit on the edge of the tub until a few days later, um, which I mean, that's not a big deal. It just except you feel grody. Gross. <laughs> you want to like clean and feel like a person again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, the first time I actually held Henning and um, 
walked with him. I did try it at, he was like five days old and I like walked so slow because I just didn't have any energy and I was afraid I was going to drop him. So I, um, yeah, that was definitely not what I had expected, but, um, but I recovered fine. I, you know, I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything and, and I was doing all right, but it took, it took a while to feel like, you know, okay, I can stand up without needing to like hang on to something or, I can walk around without feeling like I'm going to just fall over, which is good. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I can relate. I definitely understand that for sure. Yeah. How was your husband? How did he transition to kind of life as a dad? He did really well. So Henning was born on a Tuesday and he and he was able to take the rest of the week off of work. Um, at that point, he was just working in sales. So, you know, he wasn't like needing to be there necessarily. Um and so he was really good. He had had, um, when he was 13, his mom had a baby. And so his younger brother, I mean, he kind of did a lot of that stuff when he was a teenager. So it was very familiar to him, which was nice. You know, I was confident that he knew how to change a diaper. I was confident that he knew how to swaddle and how to do all this stuff. And um, so that was lovely. And he just, yeah, he transitioned really easily to all of that. And and Henning was a really good nurser, so I was able to nurse him, and I did have a lactation consultant come to the house, because at that point, our local hospital made house calls, which was awesome. Oh, wow. Considering the fact that I had lost so much blood, I wouldn't have been able to go to the hospital and have them check it out, so that was lovely that they made the house call, and she kind of helped me with his latch a little bit, and... Um, and yeah, I, I had started to kind of get a little blister, but once she helped me with his latch, it was fine. I never had any other issues with him nursing. Um, that was a very, very good transition for, you know, I'd never done it before. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. How did your relationship with, um, Perry change after you had Henning? Um, I think, it's so hard to like think back now because now right. I have two kids and I'm thinking, oh, life was so much easier back then. Um, yeah. Well, did, did I even exist I before know. kids? I know. But it, I mean, it was difficult just to find the balance of, um, you know, how do we do all of life with a baby now? But honestly, when we had one, we just took Henning everywhere with us. So Perry was playing softball and I'd just come along and bring baby and He'd sit in his car seat or be in like a um, carrier and we'd watch games and um, we'd go out to dinner. And I mean, it was, I look back now and think, you know, first time was pretty easy because he was the only one I had to worry about. Um, And we were both just so excited to have a baby that he just fit right in with us and was chill. And well, he hated the car seat, which made drives not so much fun. But other than that, he was a really just easy, easy kid, which was nice. Yeah. That's awesome. At what point did you guys start thinking about adding another baby to your family? Um, so I, I got my cycle back when Henning was about nine months old. And at that point I thought, well, I mean, I'm fine. If I get pregnant now, like that's fine. So I never started taking my temperature or anything again. We just thought when it happens, it happens. We're not going to actively try, but we're not going to prevent kind of like what we had done before. Right. So I got pregnant, um, in June of 2015. So Henning was 
like 14 months old. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Perfect so, timing. Exactly. And it's funny because I actually got pregnant with Henning in July of 2013. So both of my babies were born in April because apparently that's just the time when we <laughs> get pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> that works well for you. That's, that's just our time of the year. Um, but yeah, so got pregnant with my second baby and um, pregnancy was still pretty, I mean, relatively easy. Although I did have, I didn't have nausea with Owen, but I had awful motion sickness. So we could be just oh, be, wow. like driving down the road just to go downtown. And I would just be like, so car sick, unless I was driving, then it was fine. So I actually did a lot of driving at that point. Um, when I was pregnant, usually Perry drives, but I was like, please, can I, because I don't really want to be sick right now. And I never threw up. I just would feel just motion sick. Um, and so that lasted, I think just through like the first trimester and then it kind of went away. And then about 16 weeks, I think I was, I started to get these red bumps on my belly. Well, at that point, our dog was having an issue with fleas. And so at first I thought, well, maybe they're flea bites. I don't know. That's weird that they would be on my belly because we have a huge lab boxer mix. So she doesn't just sit on me. Um, right. But I thought, well, maybe they're flea bites. I don't know. But they continued to get bigger or the, the rash continued to spread. And then pretty soon I also had issues with my fingers, was getting really bad, um, like itchy spots and that turned into like water blisters on a few of my fingers. And it was so bad that I couldn't even bend my ring or my middle fingers because there were so many water blisters and bumps and just horridness on my finger. Um... And I was like, what is this? Like, is this eczema? What is going on? My midwife wasn't sure. And we talked about, is it pups? But it didn't manifest like this last time. And I guess I didn't mention, but the other thing about pups is you're only supposed to get it once. Once you've had it, then you're not supposed to get it again. Oh, wow. So I was like, it can't be. I already had it. Um, And so uh, she recommended I go to a dermatologist because it was getting so uncomfortable. Once again, it was all over my belly and my hands. And so I went to see the dermatologist and explained everything. She looked at everything and got, grabbed a couple of her books. And she was like, you know what? This is pups. This is pups again. Oh, no. And I was like, no, you're only supposed to get it once. And she goes, well, the thing about that is that it goes on a bell curve. And so there's always these like outer um, outliers. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, you just get to be one of the lucky ones that gets to have it more than once. And I was like, oh, joy, wonderful. This is just great. So she, you know, um, she gave me a prescription for like a steroid, but one that wasn't going to be too bad for being pregnant. Um, And she just said, keep your skin really moist, like even coat it in oil and just keep it moist because if it gets dry, you're going to have even more problems. But again, there wasn't something that was like, yeah, this is going to make it go away. Sure. So I did the steroid creams and I ended up just buying like, um, I think it was Aveeno overnight intense moisture 
lotion and I just rubbed that all over my hands, my legs, my arms, my belly every single day, like twice a day. And my rash did end up going away, but before it did, it got so bad that there was one day when my belly had gotten really swollen because of, I, I right. guess because of the rash. I mean, it was like, I looked probably, I don't know, 26, 27 weeks pregnant and I wasn't, I was only 17 weeks pregnant, but I had so much fluid retention that it was just, it would like the weight of my belly and like the weight of my skin would just hang and pull down. Hmm. That sounds really gross, but it really did. And I was like, I remember walking around in my kitchen one day and just crying because I was so uncomfortable. And Perry was like, what's wrong? I was like, I just can't, I can't do anything. I can't walk. I can't take care of you. I can't make you food. I can't take care of Henning. I'm just so uncomfortable. And he was like, go lay down. I want you to rest. And so I went to my bed and lifted up my shirt and put like ice packs around my stomach because that (sighs) would help it not itch so much. And my mother-in-law came over at one point and was just praying for me. And I was crying saying, why is this happening to me? Like, why? And she was like, I don't know. But um, just to have her sit and pray for me, you know, was an encouragement. And um, so slowly but surely, it did go away. It was probably gone by like 20 weeks. So about four weeks of that rash that time. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, what if it comes back again? Just like it did my first pregnancy. And so I just kept moisturizing. <laughs> Anytime I could think of it, I just put more lotion on. And um, I, at least for me, that seemed to help that time because it never did come back, thankfully. That's um, awesome. I don't know if it'll come, come back, you know, next time I get pregnant or not. But hopefully at least next time I'll kind of have a better idea of how to handle it. Um, but yeah, so that um, ended and... The rest of my pregnancy was fairly easy. I did have to take an iron supplement because I was pretty anemic. And I just remember being more tired, partially because I was anemic, but also because I was chasing around, you know, a toddler and um, wasn't able to just nap whenever I wanted to. Sure. And so uh, um, other than that, it was pretty, pretty easy. So what was um, your labor like with yeah, your second so, so pregnancy? I went to... 41 weeks and still hadn't had him. And then I went a couple more days. So um, Henning was 17 days overdue and Owen was nine days overdue. And with Owen, so Owen was born on a Monday and on the previous Saturday, Henning had woken up and he had like a flu bug. And so we spent the day just cuddling him and um, giving him crackers and Um, I think we even let him have a little bit of like soda at that point. He'd never had anything, but we're like, we'll try it. Um, and he seemed to be better by Sunday. Well, then Sunday evening, Perry and I went to bed and we both woke up at different points throwing up because we now had the flu bug. So I'm 41 weeks pregnant and I'm like bent over the toilet throwing up because I've caught the flu bug now. And it was so uncomfortable. I mean, throwing up is never fun anyway, but you have this huge belly and you're trying to lean over and it's just not not good. Um, And so at some point in the middle of the night, I want to say it was like 
3.30, I started feeling not just the crampiness from stomach flu. I was like, you know, I think, I think this might be changing into contractions. And I had texted my midwife and told her I was throwing up. And she said, you know, keep yourself hydrated, try and rest, but also know that this might kickstart labor just because right yeah that intestinal cramping is going to totally send you into labor yeah so it did and about that's one way to be induced (laughs) yeah yeah um about six o'clock I think it was my contractions were like getting harder and we thought okay this is the real deal called my midwife she said okay like call me in an hour and see I'll see where she is because we kind of all figured that my First labor was 15 hours. We figured the second one, probably pretty similar, or at least longer um, than what it ended up being. And so she said, call me in an hour. We called my mother-in-law. She's like, okay, I'm going to get up and shower and, you know, I'll be down there. So Perry went to go set up the birth tub. And so he's doing that. Mind you, he's also, you know, been throwing up all night. So he's tired and not feeling well. My sister was living with us at the time. And so she had been, you know, assigned the duty of getting Henning up and fed. And she was going to take him to my sister-in-law's house where she was going to babysit him for the day. And uh, my sister was going to be there to, like, take pictures and and be there for my birth. So I was laboring back on my bed. And pretty much, like, right after we had called the midwife, probably by 6.30, my contractions started getting really intense and I because I was by myself because Perry was setting things up Megan was getting Henning ready I wasn't able to like relax and move through the contractions quite the same as I had the first time Um, and they just got more intense way more quickly so I wasn't really prepared for that I was like kind of just getting through each one of them but not um not coping really well. Exactly, yeah. Um, and Perry came back, you know, to check on me periodically. And um, so I, he got the tub filled up, but it had drained our water heater. And so we needed to warm up more water to get the birth pool to a good temperature. So I couldn't go into that yet. But Henning was up and eating his breakfast. And um, I had moved to our bathroom and was sitting on the toilet again. And my water broke. And that toilet works for you. Convenient place, you know. And that was about 7.30 that my water broke. And my mother-in-law had just arrived but hadn't come back to see me yet because she was, you know, saying hi to Henning and stuff. And she said she heard me in the bathroom once my water broke. I was just like, had a contraction and immediately felt this strong urge to push. And was just like moaning because it was so much pain. And she said she heard me and was like, oh, my gosh, I need to get back there right now. And Megan heard me and thought, oh, my gosh, I need to get heading to her sister-in-law's house because something's happening. Um, So I was on the toilet for a little bit and I had told Perry right before my water broke, I had said, you know what? I think I'm going to feel the urge to push soon. And he was like, no, no, you're not. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I think I am. Do you have a baby in your belly? I know a little bit better, but I didn't say that. I I just thought it. Um, So yeah, immediately felt the urge to push. And it was definitely different this time. It wasn't just that like little, little push. It was like, no, I need to push for serious. Like the roaring lion. Yeah. And my mother-in-law was like, um, okay, we need to move you back to the bed because I don't want you to have a baby in the toilet. 
And I'm thinking, I don't want to stand up because as soon as I stand up, I'm going to have another contraction. Yeah. But I was like, you know, thinking, yeah, I don't want to have a baby in the toilet either. So they helped me stand up and, you know, slowly move to the bed as I was having contractions. And my midwife still hadn't arrived yet because, you know, she had, she was going to wait until a little while. But we had called her, um, I think, right before that happened and she was on her way. So I'm on the bed and I'm just like, just, I remember like clenching my whole body every time a contraction would come instead of relaxing. And my mother-in-law would say, relax, relax. And I just couldn't, they were so much stronger and coming so much faster that it was really hard to even attempt to relax. Um, And I was pushing with each, like, you know, each time I had one, it wasn't like bearing down pushing, but it was, it was hard pushing. And my, my mother-in-law was like, are you pushing? And I was like, yes, I am pushing. She's like, no, no, don't push. And I'm like, what do you yes, think I've been doing? I am pushing and you're not going to stop me because this is what I need to do. This is happening. And I remember thinking and saying, where, where's my midwife? Where is she? Like, why isn't she here? Cause I'm terrified that I'm going to have this baby without my midwife here. And I mean, I've done it before, but She's the professional. I would like her to be here, please. Sure. So she finally got to the house about eight, just after eight o'clock. And she walks in the room and my mother-in-law's like, she's pushing. And my midwife is just like, cool, calm, collected. She's like, okay, great. And she just walks in and she checks me. She's like, yep, head's right there. We're ready to do this. And she goes, Perry. You were, we're going to have this baby on the bed. There's no time to get her to the, to the birth pool. And so I was laying on my side and the contractions were coming and I was like clenching my legs together to like handle it. Wow. And Loretha was like, okay, I want you, sorry, my midwife um, said, I, I want you to move onto your hands and knees because you're clenching and I need you to open up your hips, let baby come down. And again, I was thinking, I don't want to move because a contraction will come. But I did. So I got on my hands and knees, pushed, head came out. And I remember saying, is the head out? Is the head out? And everyone was like, yes, yes, it's out. Um, Because I'd pushed so long the first time that I wanted to make sure it was actually happening. And I pushed one more time and Owen was born. So my midwife was there for 20 minutes before... He actually was born. Um, yeah, and he came out, and um, it was it was a de- a different feeling than my first because the first time, you know, it's it's you've never experienced anything like it, and so not only is it your baby, but you're just in awe of what just happened. The whole process. Yeah, and the second time, I I felt more like almost like I felt more motherly because I'd done it before. And so it was immediate, like, here's my baby and pick and shush, shush. And I'm your mommy and I love you. And, mm-hmm. um, the, the novelty wasn't there, but it was like almost more of a familiar thing because I'd done it before and I, I knew what to expect. And, um, and here was my baby. And again, we hadn't found out the gender. So we found out again that it was a boy and that was exciting. And, uh, and yeah, so I had a water birth and I had a bed birth, even though both were supposed to be water births, but he just came awesome. you know, in two hours, basically, so that there wasn't any time. Yeah, that's a yeah. fast one. Yes. I understand that. That's awesome. Much faster. Katie, what do you feel like the Lord's 
doing in your life, in your heart, in the season as a mom, your stay-at-home mom with two little boys. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like the Lord's teaching you in this season? So much. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm in a season right now of just like in the trenches parenting. And I mean, I'm sure that will, those trenches change as your kids get older, but uh, my kids are three and a half and one and a half and they're both boys. And um, so there's lots of uh, trucks and cars and wrestling and playing and pushing and throwing things. And, um, and they're both so different, but they get along, they, comp- they complement each other well, so they get along well. It's, you know, intense all day, every day parenting. And, um, and I think right now the Lord is trying to teach me balance because I find that that's a really hard thing. Um, trying to balance being a mom, being a wife, being myself, being a friend. Um, you know, sometimes I do really well at one and I really suck in another area. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I can relate to that. (laughs) But, um, trying to find that balance and then also just, I feel like there has never been anything else in my life that has taught me more or pointed out more my own failures as a person. Um, Because while I can stand there and um, scold my three-year-old because he was just disobedient and say things like, why can't you just listen the first time I say it? Every single time I say that, I hear the Lord saying that he has that same experience every single day with his children. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not just my kids that are disobedient. It's I, I am disobedient. You know, yeah. I I have a sinful heart just like they do, and it's hard to parent <laughs> parent sinful children when you're a sinner yourself and you're trying to like be this role model and example of patience and kindness and love and gentleness. Um, but I fail, you know, on the daily and then feel like I'm, you know, screwing up my kids somehow because I'm yelling at them to be patient and I'm losing my patience while I'm doing that. Um, And I think just understanding that I'm on a journey of um, heart change just like they are and that my desires have to line up with God's desire for my life because if I'm pursuing my own fleshly desires I'm always going to be um, missing the mark and I'm always going to be unhappy and I'm always going to be just drained of energy and you know some days that's harder some days that's easier but just understanding that my kids are learning and growing but so am I I'm not this perfect person that has it all figured out and trying to have grace in that um, is, you know, is a big one. And it's probably a lifelong journey that I'll be on. Yeah. Yeah. um, I know. I I was thinking the other day, I was like, uh, two things. But one, I just pray that my kids are not just so traumatized by my parenting that they're in counseling for years, you know, in their 30s. I'm like, oh, Lord, please, like, just let them be okay. And then the second thing, I'm just like, I need the word of God more, like, 
in this season, in these weeks, in these days more than I ever have. Because I mean, being patient and exactly what you said, being loving and slow to speak and slow to get angry. I'm like, I cannot, I can't do it. Like I can't do it without that daily, you know, time of being in the word. And, you know, like I was just praying this morning, like, God, like wake up my spirit. Like, let me be just alive in you today so that I can have a chance, an ounce of a chance of being patient and kind and loving with my kids when golly, I'm just, it's hard. Yeah, it is. I was just reading something this morning and it was talking about how our kids disobey not because we're a bad parent, but because they have sinful hearts just like we do. And yeah. we, we all need a heart change because if I follow my own flesh, I'm never going to be pursuing what's right. You know, I have to have that transformation of my heart in order to desire right. what God desires and... Um, be walking in the things that he's asked me to walk in. And, and honestly, like I say this, although I don't even know if I fully accepted it, but I think that if I, as a mom am pursuing God and my kids see me, you know, reading my Bible and asking them for forgiveness when I do something that I know I shouldn't have or praying with them or, um, you know, attempting to model behavior, but seeing me fail and seeing me repent and come back to what I know Mm -hmm. to be true, that in reality, that is more of an example than me being a perfect parent because they're not going to be perfect people. And so if I can model the behavior of this is what forgiveness and repentance and, you know, um, just trying to be a, a believer and a God follower, this is what that looks like, then they will have a better um, a better picture of that. And it's, it's hard. I say that, but it's like, you know, then I turn around and do something wrong again and just feel this immense guilt and like I'm screwing them up and failing at everything. But, but in reality, that's, that's real life. And so I can't be this model of perfection because I'm not. Yeah. That's so good. Katie, what are three things that are changing your life right now? (laughs) Um, so I recently discovered podcasts, not just this one, but oh, um, awesome! <laughs> I love the Risen Motherhood podcast. Okay. They're two sister-in-laws, um, and they just talk about gospel-centered motherhood issues. Um, and I love, I love listening to it because it's like an encouragement of, um, just from other moms of, of young children and I can relate and I don't feel like I'm alone in my own, um, issues. Parenting journey. Yeah. Um, so I love that podcast. Um, I think one thing that has been life changing and, um, I don't know why I've just discovered this. It's sad to me that I've just discovered this, but is just being in the word daily that's always been something that's been hard for me because, you know, we get so busy with life and we're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I have all these million things to do, like scroll through Facebook for an hour. Um, yeah. When I could, Whoops. Yeah. When I could be um, reading my Bible. And so that's something I've made a point to do. And I used to think, oh, well, I need to do it before my kids wake up, which is hard for me because I'm not a morning person. 
And then I realized, well, wait a second. I can do it when they're awake. Then they see me modeling the behavior that I want them to do. And so I've made that part of our routine of first thing in the morning, you know, they get some cereal to snack on and toys and books. And I just sit on the couch and I, you know, remind them, oh, it's mom's Bible time. Like, I'll read you that book later. But right now I'm going to do my Bible time. And so I just, you know. That's awesome. I'm reading through right now. I'm just reading through Fruits of the Spirit and just trying to glean more. And so that's been huge because I feel like it starts my day off with yeah good life-giving stuff. Um, and then I think just realizing life is about balance. And so there are so many different things that I could pursue. But is it what God has called me to pursue? And I think that's really important. Um and so that's not so much of a resource, but it's just this idea of, are you pursuing what God wants you to pursue? Because there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, to be doing. a lot of choices. Yeah. But if we're busy with all of the wrong things, then we're not having time for any of the right things. And I don't want to be so busy that I forget that God's called me to raise my kids, that God's called me to make my house a home that God has called me to be in relationship with him. And so am I focusing on those things that he, I know he's called me to? Or am I trying to spend my time pursuing all of these other things that could make me happy, you know, to some degree, but it's not what I know the Lord has called me to do. Um, and so like always just um, thinking about, okay, is this something that God has called me to? Or is this something that is just going to, eat up my, eat up my time. Um, but yeah, that, I think that idea is something I've been thinking about a lot and trying to incorporate into my, my daily life. That's awesome. Thanks, Katie. I just love chatting with you. It's been so fun catching up and hearing about your, your birth stories and what the Lord's doing in your life. I, I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of everything you had to say that was pretty incredible so thank you yeah thank you wasn't that awesome you guys i just love katie's heart i loved her perspective that none of us need to strive to become perfect parents our job is to teach our little ones how to forgive each other how to repent and how to start again And at the end of the day, our job is always to help our kids on a journey toward having a heart more like Jesus. We're on the same journey they are. Uh, What a great reminder. I hope you guys were encouraged and blessed by her words today. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the show. It means so much to me. For those of you who haven't had the chance to leave me a review on iTunes, I would be so, so grateful if you'd be willing to do that this week. It just takes like five minutes on your phone and you guys, it really does help. iTunes has some crazy algorithms and it makes a big difference. Um, If you guys head over and leave me a rating and review, I would be so, so, so thankful. If you would like to share your birth story on the show or you know a friend who has an encouraging story that you think the world needs to hear, please email me at elise at elisemarsh.com. I would love to hear from you. For those of you who are new to the show, I want to share with you a free resource I've created for every pregnant mama out there. 
head on over to my website, elisemarsh.com, and sign up for my free six-day email course designed to help you have the best birth experience possible. I share tons and tons and tons of great information and resources with you in the course. There's also some free goodies in there too. For links to the resources we talked about in today's episode, head on over to my show notes page at elisemarsh.com slash podcast. I would love to get to know all of you better. So you can find me on Instagram at Perfectly Wonderfully Made and on Facebook at Your Birth Class. I would love to connect with you guys there. To all of my listeners, thank you for being here. You are so important to me. Have a great week, you guys, and share the show with a friend. I'll see you back here next week. Bye.